Hi again, and welcome to part three of the Living Enterprise from CIO in association with Adobe and Microsoft. In this series of podcasts, we've assembled a stellar cast of CIOs and IT leaders to share their advice on how CIOs can become creative and proactive leaders of dynamic, agile living enterprises. So far, we've looked at how the two Ds, digital and data, have transformed the traditional role of the CIO, from backroom order taker to key business strategist. We've also examined how the newly empowered CIO can shape the boardroom agenda to drive innovation and transformation across an organisation. In this episode, we're looking at allies and enemies. Who do you need to be on the phone to every day? And who are you ignoring in that Teams call? I think that you can fight these battles directly. You can fight them through propaganda warfare, or you can fight them through guerrilla warfare, but you can always win them over time. CIOs have mostly been freed from their IT bunkers and are now called upon to form partnerships across the company to help key operational groups improve their business results. David McGrath, CDO at the Clubs Network Australia, says no department should be off-limits to the CIO. IT can help pretty much anybody do things more efficiently. The key examples that I think of when I'm looking at the storytelling that I've done in the past and the things that have been most effective have primarily been around bringing an all-of-business approach. And, you know, the technology teams of the past and ones I've even worked in have sat at one end of an office and, you know, the communications and the marketing and those that are working more in the storytelling end sit at the other end of the office and the two never really meet. You know, and for me... I think it's a really important uh, void to fill to be able to, you know, help those two different teams come together. I certainly think, you know, the approach from a pretty basic level is just look around your own organisation and I can be pretty sure there's not a department that couldn't be better without technology assisting them. And we sit in a really unique position there where we've got the ability to make all of these departments better and in the process, the conversations that we get out of that give us the ability as technologists to be able to tell our story even better and to be able to use other parts of a business unit to be able to craft our messaging and craft our outcomes more effectively. Getting the message out has been a recurring theme in this series. Evangelising about the benefits of digitisation and smart use of data is a key part of the CIO's job. But you've also got to have concrete proof of its benefits. QuickCrete is no different than any other organisation. Jay Farrow is CIO of QuickCrete, the largest manufacturer of packaged concrete in North America. The more you know and the faster you know it and the more accurate and timely the data is, the better decisions you can make. So in our case, if I know a production machine is going to fail before it fails, I can then maybe take that offline versus having it fail, fix it, and reduce my downtime. If I can reduce product spoilage, in other words, just through simple things like temperature sensors, vibration sensors, moisture sensors, and get that data in real time, I can then prevent product spoilage. I can then prevent horrible losses of dollars for no other reason than you're bound by paper-based processes or some guy walking by a a warehouse or a storeroom to check on it manually. So there are huge opportunities for CIOs 
to do these things, and they don't require a significant investment of capital. They require an investment of attention and intentionality. But in order to have that, you've got to be doing the basics well. So stabilize never stops being important. Simple but smart use of data like this can lead to quick wins. And quick wins improve the CIO's credibility and give them scope to go for big transformational projects. And to do that, Andrew Wilson, CDO at Microsoft, says there's one very important relationship you need to foster. The investment in technology and the measurement of return on investment mean that the relationship with the CFO is critical, and not just in terms of cost containment. Although the cost and the nature and the shape of cost has changed, um, CapEx has typically moved to OpEx. So IT costs can be far more variable, can be far more discretionary, and that demands a financial acumen as well. So the CFO, who often is the reporting line in for technology, is critical in terms of sponsorship, critical in terms of deployment of resource, critical in terms of recognition that this is one of, if not the, major assets that's driving the business today. Jason Oliver, Director of IT Services at Sussex University, is another who enjoys a close working relationship with his CFO. But he also sees collaboration across the organisation as fundamental to a successful digital strategy. My relationship with our Director of Finance, our CFO, is extremely strong. We work together reviewing projects that are coming through. We work together in planning the future and along with our COO, we agreed and developed a five-year roadmap, which really is the key to unlocking all of the budgetary requirements that we, we have. But, you know, this wasn't an overnight thing. To come up with the five-year roadmap, we went through 20 stages of consultation, looking at where the common trends were, coming up with five key objectives, and then... As the consultation went on, we were able to start eliciting out real deliverables. And those deliverables obviously link to a cost. And so the five-year roadmap is fully costed. Having done that work and having built those relationships with the COO and the CFO, we certainly were able to articulate the business cases far more effectively and far quicker, which allowed us to unlock things which historically just weren't possible. Aileen Hayes, CIO for EMEA at the global information services company Experian, also stresses the need to get the CFO on side, but she says it's just as important to take their underlings with you as well. CIOs tend, I'm told, to spend quite a lot of money. They tend to have quite a large bit of the budget and it's not necessarily always very well understood why they need the money. So some of the things that a CIO will ask to spend money on can feel quite abstract to a non-IT audience. And so one of the most important relationships that you need to ensure you have a good relationship with is your CFO. But it's also really helpful if you're working with a management accountant or a deputy CFO or whoever it is that you're working with, that they really understand the detail of what you're working on. They can also help you in terms of thinking about how you present what you're talking about in a way that will help a financial audience connect better. So I've always worked really, really closely with either the CFOs or the tier below them 
that are both helping me day-to-day manage my budgets and manage my business cases and how I'm going to control costs, where I think I need to invest, where I think we've got opportunities to divest, where there might be business case coming and how we might approach that. So that's a really close relationship. The money men and women may be the ones to sign the cheques, but it's the employees who are called upon to implement the strategy. And Microsoft's Andrew Wilson says that means a CIO also has to work hand-in-glove with HR. In many industries, the attraction and retention of technological skills and talent is a huge obstacle. There's a shortage of talent and there's a need to explore and draw on a very large range and types of different talent sources, which is going to require a very close cooperation with the HR team. And it's going to also drive a deep dialogue about what is the employee experience, not just in terms of the services offered, but in terms of the very nature of how technology underpins being an employee of the organization in question. So HR, uh, as the representative of the employee, is absolutely critical as a key stakeholder and orchestrator, both in terms of creating the team and then operating to support the employee base as well. HR and finance, just two of the key collaborators for CIOs. So far, so traditional, but there's another burgeoning relationship in the world of modern business. We have found that the most successful digital businesses all have something in common, a strong partnership between the CIO and the CMO. That's Shantanu Narayan, the chairman, president and CEO of Adobe, speaking at the online Adobe Summit in March. In fact, you could say it's the decade of the CMO and CIO. Historically, CIOs and CMOs had very few interactions. In fact, they often had seemingly conflicting agendas. The CMO's job was to protect and improve the brand. The CIO was more concerned with risk management and protecting the organisation. But the massive growth of digital marketing tools and apps has completely changed the relationship. Some often ask, is the CIO and the CMO at odds? They're not. Microsoft's CDO, Andrew Wilson, says the growing importance of data and emerging technology means it's now vital that the two work hand in hand. There's a huge opportunity for collaboration. I often think of the CIO role as chief experience officer, powering experiences both internally for employees, but also the customer experience of the overall organisation. How do you access and draw on the services of the enterprise? Um, How digital is the enterprise? How easy is the enterprise to find and do business with? And the enterprise's persona in the world is going to be powered, in many cases, by digital capabilities across marketing and across communication efforts. So being a practitioner in modern marketing capabilities, being able to help the CMO change and drive the brand of the enterprise to be a modern, digitally powered, digitally relevant enterprise is a hugely important part of the digital transformation strategy. So the relationship with CMO, to me, is critical. The increased focus on customer experience and the fact that so much customer interaction is exclusively digital has moved the CIO and CMO into an ever closer partnership. But Cynthia Stoddard, CIO at Adobe, says it's not an exclusive relationship. The customer experience is really everybody's responsibility. So that broadens the relationship to everybody in the C-suite. 
because everybody owns a part of it. If you think about it, it's not a siloed experience anymore where, you know, order entry is separate from use and is separate from, you know, billing or, or whatever. The journey all comes together. So how we process that and the departments that are interacting in order to make that happen now have to come together, you know, with a common view, a common set of metrics and really working together to not only optimize what they do internally, but to really optimize it and make it great from the customer experience. So I would say, yeah, it's a relationship with everybody in the C-suite. And that's another central pillar of the concept of a living enterprise. There should be no silos, no interoperability issues or fragmented teams in the modern, customer-orientated and data-driven business. David McGrath, CDO at Clubs Australia Network, says it's all about cooperation and recognising where IT can help drive the business forward. Certainly more and more, you know, in particular, say, from a programmatic advertising sense, you know, advertising has become digitised at a fast rate. And, you know, if you think about the programmatic ad exchanges that exist now, the marketing teams of modern days are working like a stock exchange. They're buying and selling inventory. They're doing all of their research to make sure they're hitting the right demographic. They're making sure that every dollar spent is bringing back a certain amount of dollars into a shopping cart or click-throughs or brand representation. And there's not too many parts within a business like a marketing team that is now working more technically savvy. And to have that all of business conversation is really, really valuable. But in any company, there are bound to be pockets of resistance, understandably, to the idea that IT is the knight in shining armour come to cure all a business's ills. Bernd Prushoff, CDO at Uvex, says it's the digital leader's job to demystify the tech and turn it into an operational win. In my perception, I think most businesses are complaining about IT very often, but at the end of the day, they are very happy if you give them guidelines because they fear the complexity of technology. So if you are giving them a guideline, that reduces their fear and it makes technology handleable. And of course, nobody has an argument against you if you say, okay, I'm collecting all the mobile use cases that we have and I will put them on one single platform because this makes it easy to manage all these use cases and it makes easy to use the data that we create through all these uh, use cases. And then everybody says, well, makes sense. You know, I don't need to know the name of the platform. I don't need to know the provider who gives you access to the platform, but I understand the business relevance of it. If we look at all these new technologies out there, these are so new and their uh, pace of change is so rapid, there will be no business coming to you placing a demand saying, I want a blockchain solution because they don't know what blockchain does and they don't know what it could be used for. So if we see a potential, it needs to come from the tech guys. I think the challenge is uh, being able to translate technology into business and also, of course, talking a business language, you know, bridging the gap that a business usually has and making it accessible uh, for them. But many CIOs will urge caution about leaping headfirst into the battle to find the next big thing in digital or data technology. 
Jay Farrow, CIO of Quickrete, is one who remains a little sceptical about all the banner headlines heralding the latest solution to all an IT leader's dreams. I think every CIO, it's incumbent on them and their organization to always have their finger on the pulse of what's going on and to be able to separate fact from fiction, hype from reality. We tend to assign technologies like that to different groups within the IT organization, go figure out what's going on, learn as much as you can, share with it internally. I talk to other CIOs and other leaders constantly, so I always want to know what they're doing in their organizations, what they think about emerging technologies, taking advantage of all the information that's out there. I'm a huge fan of R&D, rip off and duplicate. If somebody's doing it and it's working, I will steal that all day long. You know, look, if I'm doing something that's working, I have generally no problem sharing. Uh, Nothing proprietary, of course, let me be very clear, but, you know, sharing knowledge with my peers as well. An evidence-based approach to emerging technology doesn't preclude innovation, but the stakes are a little higher for the CIO than the traditional R&D team. Just ask Adam Leach, who has seen both sides. He's new to the role of CIO at Nominet, the official registry for UK domain names, having previously been their SVP of corporate strategy, head of R&D, and an industry analyst in a former life. There's certainly a shift when you go from kind of leading innovation and leading that drive for new business to then taking the reins of the CIO. And I think it's probably an extreme statement. You're going from Mr. Yes to Mr. No, but you go from the guy who's always willing to try something, try some new partnerships, some new technology to the CIO role where you have to be a lot more Measured stability is one of the, you know, it's a key thing for our business. And I imagine like a lot of CIOs, but the stability and the uptime of our services are absolutely crucial. You then kind of shift from saying yes to everything to then actually being a bit more measured and a bit more like, well, actually, I'd actually prefer it to not to do this and to say no to this. So that that dynamic certainly changes between the two roles. And that balance between stability and innovation is a dilemma faced by all CIOs. The lights have to be kept on, but you can't stand still. Isaac Sokolik is the president of Star CIO, a company that helps organisations with transformation programmes. A lot of the writing and speaking I do is educating leaders on the difference between change management and transformation management. Change management is a program that we think about when we're somewhere between 50 and 90% of the way through the journey and saying, hey, I just finished, you know, signing my contracts and figuring out how to deploy Office 365. Now let's talk about how to deploy this to end users uh, so that they can start using this tool instead of our desktop versions. You know, that's just not going to work anymore. That's change management. That's thinking about what to do to people instead of what to do to bring people along in the journey. You know, how do I find early adopters, some of them at the board level, some of them employees doing their day-to-day jobs and saying, we're going to make them part of the team. We're going to assign them a role. We're going to learn from them what they see and what we're trying to do. I'm going to say certain things that we did 10 years ago are no longer relevant. I'm going to bring up some new things that are hyper-relevant that we have to think through. You know, some of it is on the safety and reliability side. Some of it is going to be on the innovation side. 
And that is essentially what that program looks like, right? That CIO is now figuring out how to message this, how to communicate it, how to measure it in such a way that it's going to impact the entire business and the entire leadership organization. In reality, though, however hard the CIO tries to include everybody throughout the company in getting them to buy into their vision of digital transformation and the need for the free flow of data, some business leaders are fiercely resistant to anyone muscling in on their patch. When that happens, Jay Farrow from QuickGreet says the CIO has to take a deep breath, roll up their sleeves and prepare for battle. I think that you can fight these battles directly. You can fight them through propaganda warfare, or you can fight them through guerrilla warfare, but you can always win them over time. We have a saying in sports, and I'm sure that you have it, winning cures all ills. It's really tough to argue against someone, a leader, who is winning. And winning in IT means you're delivering. On time, under budget, you're proactive, you're communicating, you're transparent, you own your failures, you're continually improving. It's really, really hard to fight that. I remember one, a very, very large organization that I work for at AIG, we were talking about data warehousing and business intelligence. And this was a little bit earlier in the evolution of that technology. And this gentleman, the CEO of one of the business units, he, you would have thought I was asking for his firstborn son when I said I wanted to take over his data team. He was gonna fight it tooth and nail. So I went to some of his people and I said, what are some of the key reports and analytics that you guys look at on a daily basis? How do you run your organization? And they said, oh God, we look at these PDF reports. They're, it's like driving a car in reverse a week late. So it's, they're useless reports. People don't look at them. And I said, well, what if you could get that data in real time or near real time? Oh my God, it would totally transform the way we're looking at you know, loss experience or whatever. I said, well, we're collecting all that data. Why aren't we using it that way? Well, legacy system, this, that. So we built a proof of concept based on one report in a data visualization tool, brought it back to the CEO and showed him his report in near real time. He said, how did you get this? I said, we've always had this. Well, could you do this with all our reports? Yes, we can do it with all your reports, but let's have a broader discussion about how we look at data and all these other things. He went from absolute impediment to being our biggest champion in the division that I worked for. I handle it a lot of different ways. And there are some cases where you'll never win them over, but the best thing you can do is win over their peers and their teams and their people, be professional, and then uh, go have a good stiff drink after work if you need one. Jay Farrow, CIO of QuickCrete, enjoying a stiff drink. That's all for this episode of The Living Enterprise. Next time, it's a biggie, customer experience. We'll be finding out what good customer experience looks like in today's digital economy and how to get a unified, single view of your customer. People today want more than just products and services. They want total experiences. In the end, the outcome of experience is one of the most critical measures of a successful digital transformation strategy. Possible it is to get a unified view of your consumer Easy, it's not. <laughs> and if you want to dig deeper into the philosophy behind The Living Enterprise and the CIO's role in it, search The Living Enterprise to check out our dedicated website for insights, advice and resources to help CIOs build a customer experience-led organisation. Goodbye. <laughs>